Well, it's a saying that we have. It's a it's a quote, but it's and I'll unpack what we mean by it. But we've said many many times over and over, heart kinds of questions will elicit heart answers. If you don't ever ask a question about the heart, then he's not going to offer it. Typically, you know. Welcome to season three of the Gospel Coach Podcast. Our aim in these podcasts is to empower you, the gospel coach, in the ongoing ministry of the gospel through coaching other leaders by examples of our learned experiences, as well as inviting different guest coaches to share what they are utilizing and multiplying the gospel among the nations. I'm your host, Jim Moon Jr., alongside the pioneer of gospel coaching and founder and president of CMM, Dr. Tom Wood. Tom began gospel coaching, creating the cross-conversation model over 15 years ago, and began training other gospel coaches in the USA in 2009. So good to be able to be with you and to share with our team of global coaches uh, here at CMM USA headquarters. We have 12 professional coaches. We have on our team, it's Olivia Jackson. She's the director of women coaching. Olivia's doing a great job for us in uh, women coaching. You can contact us about that whole avenue. And the Lord has added a new space for gospel coaching in the chaplaincy corps. Military, first responders, and corporate chaplains. That's just getting underway, but already gaining great traction. We have Dr. Don Sampson. He's taken a new role with us as the director of chaplaincy coaching and has introduced gospel coaching in that space, and it is expanding and doing quite well. And don't forget, we now have expanded our coaching and training into the United Kingdom, England, Scotland, and Wales, and next up, Ireland, with Matt Waldock in Manchester, England, coming on our staff team here recently to handle the 70-plus men and women who have now gone through Gospel Coach Foundations. And all that, of course, is in addition to our coaching in the church world with planters, pastors, associational leaders, and movement leaders in cities, towns, college towns, and cross-culturally in the USA. One last thought for those of our listeners who are gospel coaching. If you've never been coached, we encourage you to get one, even if it's for a short season. Be sure to listen to the amazing conversations and helpful reminders in our first two seasons. We continue with important topics from your ministry of coaching and to cross-pollinate ideas and insights in gospel coaching practices from other regions. Please contact us at gospelcoachingnetwork at gmail.com with questions or comments. Welcome back, everybody, to the Gospel Coach Podcast. And again, if you've never been coached, as we said, and you're trying to coach people, I encourage you to get a coach, even if it's for a short season, or get into a coaching cluster. Get a couple of your friends who've done gospel coaching and you guys just coach one another. Um, if it's been a while since you've uh, been coached or you've coached somebody, again, if you haven't coached somebody, you went through the training, but you haven't coached anybody, um, get in. If you can't get somebody in your church or somebody in your uh, your friendship uh, to, to coach and practice on, uh, get into a coaching community or a coaching cluster and, and just keep coaching each other. and. Uh, it's really a, an art that you have to continue to keep using a skill sets uh, in order to keep them sharp. So welcome back. Right. And uh, we've got another topic. Uh, we're going to continue, I think, talking about adaptive coaching, but uh, we're going to explore from a different angle today. So that's right. Jim, welcome back. Yeah, yeah good to be back. Um, you know, we did talk about this on the previous episode and in season one, episode eight, adaptive coaching. This time we're going to tackle a different quadrant and then compare and contrast how gospel coaches diagnose and adapt to that situation. 
So if you're joining us, um, you're going to have to uh, stay with us quickly, or you can go back. If this is the first one you're listening to, um, you can listen to number uh, to, the, to the previous one, number two, uh, or go back to number eight in the first season that we did this. Um, we talked about adaptive coaching, and that's where we are. That's our topic. It's adaptive coaching. Uh, we're bringing a new perspective, a different way in which we understand coaching and we understand the dynamics of coaching. It's real life kind of coaching um, where, as we've said all along, it's multidimensional. We're not fixed on one delivery system and one way in which you've, you uh, uh, engage with a coachee. Um, relationships are multidimensional. If you're going to have a healthy relationship with any person, it's got to be multidimensional because that's just the nature of human interaction, of conversation. Um, we're not um, uni-dimensioned uh, with just one approach where we just ask questions. We've gone through that. I don't want to repeat that one again, but um, you need to understand that this is this is kind of unique to us um, and the way that we understand uh, the nature of how um, – to be the best coach you can be and to help a client uh, or a coachee the best way that you can is to meet them where they are in their season of life or in the job in which they're in and uh, to coach them to where they approach, where they're coming from rather than with my agenda that I, I only deliver one way. I only do one thing with you. Um, so we are going to try to explain this. I, I, I know it was difficult last time. I was trying to explain this quadrant in people's minds and I can see them driving down the road and they're listening to this podcast and going, what, you know, um, so Jim, I'm going to, I'm going to let you try to explain this then, then oh, okay. to yeah, the thanks. audience today. So <laughs> you explain it. Maybe you'll do a better yeah. job. Well, I'll try. Well, just for uh, repetition's sake, you'll get it. And, you know, for those of you that have had the Continue Workshop, this is part of the handouts, and you can pull that up if you've got access to it. Um, and as Tom says, you know, gospel coaching asks a lot of questions. A big part of what gospel coaching does is diagnosis. And we taught everybody to diagnose with SKIME, S-K-M-E, Skill, Knowledge, Motivation, or Enemy. And uh, adaptive coaching takes that sort of to the next level. And so Tom was talking about the four quadrants. Imagine, if you would, uh, a big box, a big square. And within that square, there are four smaller boxes or quadrants. And um, I'm going to number those. And these are not going to make sense. Um, but we're going to start in the bottom left. That would be box number one. Bottom right would be box number two. Above that box is number three. And box four is to the left of number three. So it's like a if you're numbering them, it's like a reverse letter C. Um, and so you can imagine then um, skill and knowledge is on the vertical axis. So again, that would be low. So box number one is going to have low skill and knowledge. Box four is going to have high skill and knowledge. And then motivation is the horizontal axis, left to right, low to high. So again, box one would have low motivation. Box two would have higher motivation. And that gives us the ability then to combine this diagnostic skill of skimmy and use it as a way to be adaptive in our coaching. 
So you'll have a box that's low and low. You'll have a box that's low and high, high and low and high and high. So not in that order. One, two, three, four, backwards C. I hope that helps. <laughs> I don't know. You listen to it, Tom. Uh, and you're you're probably looking at the chart in your mind. How did that how did that come across? Did that help yeah. people get, well, a, get well, a handle? When you design it, it's pretty easy to see it again. So, uh, But I think it made great sense. Thank you, Jim. You explained it very, very well. Probably better than <laughs> I did right. last, Check mark. the last season. Um, so use, utilizing this matrix, this uh, set of quadrants, if you will, in your mind as a coach will actually be very liberating and helpful. Um, Again, because this is coachy centric, right? This is focused on the need of the coach, coachy, not the coach. Um, and this is this is so important for you to understand and, and liberating for both you and the coachy, because you're meeting this person uh, at the point of their need. Yeah. You're 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 you're. You're following, uh, you know, the the uh, admonition in Hebrews that that you're to listen and to meet the person at the point of their need, and so the coachee who is low in motivation and low in skill, down to that number one quadrant, um, is is just gonna is is gonna need um, a lot of exhortation, a lot of structure. You're gonna have to help them. Um, uh, assist them with setting the right objectives of where they are, not just any objectives. And it's going to take more hands-on kind of approach. And, and the person that's in number three quadrant, that high skill, high motivating person, in fact, I think we'll talk about that, that today, but those, those, are, those are wonderful people to coach. You know, they're highly motivated. They're highly skilled. <laughs> they got a lot of experience, you know, a lot of know-how and a lot of get-go. Um, and, and they're a different kind of part. There's a different way, way to coach that person than somebody's lost heart. Yeah. Right. Um, so we have a different case study today. And uh, Jim, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about. Yeah. Mr. Pete. Yeah. Let me set this one up. Um, kind of already alluded to the diagnosis, but listen and diagnose Pete's situation as you as you listen. Pete's five years into his church. Um, this is his second church plant. And then he learns about gospel coaching and hires you. He's in a challenging situation in a major city. And he's managed to start and grow the church to over 150 before you got to know him. So his church has already planted a second site. He's got good lay leadership and a strong staff around him. His family's doing pretty well. And Pete's trying to start a church planting network, a seminary site, and a mercy ministry when you begin coaching. And his children are in their teens. Um, and so that's the situation. So you've got a few appointments. Everything goes great. He talks mostly about the ministry and overcoming barriers. And as you connect and review in this particular conversation, everything seems good. He's met most of his objectives, strategies, and tactics in the mission. So what do you do now, Coach Tom? How would you help a gospel coach diagnose the situation and adapt to Pete's case? Yeah, so here again is a very unique situation, obviously, because Pete's a different person than, um, was it uh, John? 
It was John last session. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Pete's a different, this is a different dude, different characters, got a different set of uh, skill sets. He's doing extremely well. And again, just to reiterate, if you don't approach Pete differently than you approach John, you're not helping. You're not really being, I don't think, an adequate coach to their situation. And this is why it's adaptive. You got to adapt to the need of the client. So here, Pete is this person who's highly skilled. We saw that. Highly knowledgeable. And he has got a lot of get-go. I mean, he's trying to create things. He's, mm-hmm. he's energized. He's got this very creative mind. He may be, you know, uh, I'm going to use a, a metaphor in the U.S. He may be out kicking or his coverage, you know, outpunting his coverage. In other words, he may be so far ahead in his vision, right, than his people or with the organization ability to catch up to where he wants to go, that uh, that may be something you want to pay attention to as as a yeah. as a coach. Yeah. Um, because he is very far, he is very visionary and far thinking um, in what he wants to do. Um, you know, in, in the case study, you know, I'm listening as a coach and I'm going, okay, so here's this guy. He's been doing this. Uh, he's already planted a second church, got about 150 people, which is a very, you know, in a lot of cases, that's a big church in, yeah. in order to do a lot of big things. That's not really a big church, less than 200 people. So finances are tight. I'm sure budgets are tight. You don't have a lot of infrastructure. You don't have a lot of staff help. You know, you probably have a lot of volunteer, things like that. So to start a seminary, church planning network, you know, a city-wide mercy ministry, I mean, that's, that's big. That's, that's really, that's a lot, you know, (laughs) a church of 150 people. Is that, is that very realistic? Um, But so for him, you know, I want to ask the good questions around those kinds of issues, you know, um, the readiness of his church, his leadership, his pipeline. to see, uh, you know, he's highly skilled and, and, and knowledgeable in planting a church because he's done this. Is, you, was it, uh, he's, did you say he's done? That's his second church plant. So yeah. Okay. So he has a second mm-hmm. church plant. So he, we know he can plant a church, you know, he's done it. Um, but I don't know if he's ever started a seminary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, or oh, a seminary site. I think it's a site, not okay. a whole seminary. That's a, that may be a little bit too much for Pete there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So to challenge him with, um, you know, here's a guy that needs, he just needs to be, uh, I think, you know, you're empowering him. You are asking the right kinds of questions about where he is that particular time season. Um, of course, you know, we say, well, he's, he's setting his own agenda, but that that's true. And you want him to bring that agenda. These things that he just said, starting a church planning network, seminary site, mercy citywide mercy ministry kind of thing. And those are the things then you've got to focus on and ask the right kinds of questions about infrastructure and those kind of things that I said. Yeah. Um, you can challenge somebody that has a lot of good ideas with other ideas, um, the kinds of people he should be talking to, again, subject matter experts that have done church planning networks, models, does he know what, what kind of model he wants to utilize, Yeah. Uh, et cetera. Yeah, so when when you've got a, we'll just say Pete's successful. I mean, he's doing really well. There's no red flags or no caution lights on the dashboard. How does that change your approach? Um, you know, when the mission's going well, uh, 
particularly as you think about it from a gospel perspective? Well, we we've been around successful, quote unquote, put that in quotes, right? Whatever that is, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Successful pastors, platform pastors, um, Mm -hmm. and and um, the the good news, I guess you could say, you know, is that that there's always the right question about heart kinds of questions. this is true for the person that is in the low, low that we talked about, I think, last time. Mm-hmm. They've been demotivated um, for some reason. They've lost heart. And now you've got somebody that's got a lot of heart and a lot of go. Um, pride is a very, pride is a very, uh, pride has two different sides of the same coin, right? You can have depression or discouragement, and then you can have over, uh, over exuberance in your own abilities, you know? And so as a gospel coach uh, here, you're paying attention in the, to the heart of the matter, you know, about all these successes and how great yeah. it's going um, and asking the, those right kinds of questions about his spiritual condition before the Lord. And um, yeah. So what would you say to a, a newer coach that, that might help them to diagnose the idols of Pete's heart and, uh, you know, everything's going really well. It seems in my mind, like it's kind of rude to ask a guy about his, his idols. How do you get there knowing that he may be struggling with pride? How do you help him see it? Um, well, it's a saying that we have, it's a, it's a quote, but it's, and I'll unpack what we mean by it, but we've said many, many times over and over heart kinds of questions will elicit heart answers. Hmm. If you don't ever ask a question about the heart, then he's not going to offer it typically, you know. That's good. So you've got to come up with heart-oriented kinds of questions. And the way you approach somebody, I think, who's of this stature, you know, again, um, second church plant, whatever success looks like, certainly in the church planter magazine world, he'd be one of the cover features, you know maybe in your denomination or whatever, mm-hmm. um, he'd, he'd get a speaking spot at a church planting conference. He might not be the main person, but he'd certainly get one of the breakout sessions. Um, but you can ask that kind of person, the heart kind of question. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know that I can say this is the way to approach him, but uh, you can ask a heart kind of question, like, like just to tell him, this is all amazing. This is inc- you know incredible. You know, I'm really encouraged by all that you're doing. But so I, I'm just curious about somebody in your position. You know, how do you keep your heart warmed up to Jesus on a regular basis? How does that happen in your life? Curious as a as a leader. And then his answer is going to you know going to tell you one way or the other. Um, I've asked guys. Um, I've asked guys who had who had substantial churches in any, in, in any denomination, in any way I've, I've coached guys that we would all say by the metric of size and church, these guys are quote unquote successful. And I've been able to ask all of them about their personal kinds of prayer life, because I'm curious, well, describe for me the way that you personally connect in in an ongoing prayer life with the Lord. Yeah. Because I'm curious as how that, how somebody like you does that. 
um, that oftentimes opens up the door to very honest answers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes very great. You hear great stories about how they connect with God in their prayer life. And then I've heard, unfortunately, high-platform, well-known um, leaders who don't have a personal prayer life. So, hmm. But again, hard questions will elicit hard answers. Yeah. If you've built the trust and you've built the connection, you've built that, that, uh, the honesty and the integrity of that relationship, they want to tell somebody. Right. Yeah. If, if you have trust, yeah, that's really good because it points out that particularly for successful guys who are at the top of the org chart, you know, who else is going to ask them about their marriage and their thought life and their prayer life? Who's going right. to do that? Yeah. Somebody that works for them? Maybe on a rare occasion, but uh, right. It's just the the great thing about being a gospel coach is when you have that trust, you can ask those hard questions that get right to the heart. Yeah, yeah. So you might have your own way. Um, others, of, as you're listening, you might have a way in which you you uh, ask those kinds of questions. I'd love to hear how you have approached those things, Jim. For you, you could share with you want to but uh, others that are listening in um you can contact us contact us at the uh, info that we've given you and share with us uh how you're asking those kinds of hard questions so we can cross-pollinate our ideas with each other yeah yeah i think i think the the way that you described it of the actual question you suggested is a really good one you know how are things in your spiritual life and it just makes me think you know we one of the rubrics that you teach us is it's about a person's rpms relational personal missional and spiritual and there's a tendency among ministry people just to focus on the m right and if we as a coach forget to ask those questions that are for us maybe uncomfortable um then we're we're not being good gospel coaches like we're trained we need to ask those questions that are relational about personal about spiritual I like the way you said it too, Tom. It was not, it wasn't abrasive at all. So I'm curious, you know, that's what a great thing to say. And you are, that's, that's one thing that I've always appreciated about you, Tom, is you are curious. And I think all of us can learn from that to be curious about how is this guy really doing? And it, it shows a, a tender and compassionate heart to think, yeah, this guy's doing great in the mission, but you know, nobody's perfect. This guy's not Jesus. Um, he has, weaknesses and needs and sin patterns and struggles like we all do that he just may not feel comfortable telling anybody else. Yeah. I just you triggered in my mind, you know, I remember um, this has happened several times with several different people. So this is not, you know, peculiar to one person, but mm-hmm. you know, guys go away on vacation. They'll be gone for two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. If you're in the UK, you're on holiday for the whole month of August, but the rest of us, you know, it's a couple of <laughs> weeks, but if we're lucky, right. If we're lucky. And I, but I, I, when I, when I get back with them, I'll often ask them, so I know what it's like to be away on vacation and everything. How did you keep your heart warm with the Lord while you're away from all your routines and on vacation? Were you able at all to, you know, read the scriptures or have a prayer life or any of those things that we would commonly utilize to keep our affections heart before our affections warm towards the Lord. And, And that's not abrasive. 
that's just no. Tell me what what do you do? Yeah. Um, uh, how did you do when you were even away on vacation, kind of thing? So. Yeah, and I think it's also important that the follow up to their answer, if it's that, that they're not performing and they're not being successful, however you describe that, um, the follow up as a coach really sets a tone. If we're abrasive at that point or condemning, condemning shaming, yeah. Yeah. Okay. you know, to be able to admit your own struggles in the other seasons of your own life where you've had difficulty, uh, to be humble, to point them then to Jesus, who we have, how do, how do we say it? How do you say it all the time? We have nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. Nothing to fear. Nothing to hide. Really great opportunity to point them right to the gospel. Reminds me of that story of the young priest who was being trained uh, to listen to confessions. And so the older experienced priest was going to listen in to how he was hearing confessions and responding and stuff. And so the guy did his first uh, hour's worth of confessions or whatever. And so the senior priest was debriefing the junior priest who was just starting out. And he said... Well, I think you did a wonderful job um, listening. I would just say that um, you need to not, uh, as you're listening, you need to not be saying things like, oh my gosh, really? Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, oh my, oh my. You really need to keep those to yourself. <laughs> when <laughs> you're a coach, you're that. listening to somebody who's confessing their <laughs> sins. You don't want to be sitting there going, oh, really? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tell funny. me you didn't really do that. You know, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. All right. On that frivolity. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Remember, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment or a story to share, send us a note via gospelcoachnetwork at gmail.com. <laughs>